Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Uh, I'm Ant. And I just momentarily forgot who I am. Do you know why, though? Because for the last few weeks, you've tripped me up. Because we always, back in the day, listeners, um, I always used to say, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good overnight. I'm Anthony Price. Oh, yes. And then you would say... I'm JB. No. And no. No, 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 no. Until a few weeks ago, you always said, and I'm Jonathan Bradley. And then... For the last few weeks, you started saying, I'm JB. And that's why today I thought, do you know what? I'm going to say, I'm Ant. And that, I think, is what's thrown you. I, it's very easy to confuse us, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> We've got complete control, editorial control over our uh, podcast. And yet we can't actually put anything together uh, sometimes. And it's. I think it might be one of those days where we just go into all sorts of different... We do ha- just um, for the listener... Just to reassure you, we do have a cunning plan hmm. um, that Ant actually uh, unusually put together this time. Um, because obviously I am the driver behind the scenes, which isn't true actually, because Ant, Ant actually has many, many very productive and valuable contributions to make. <laughs> Thanks. That was a nice recovery. <laughs> um, so, um, as ever, ladies and gents, if you have uh, questions, which we do have a couple to chew through today, um, then you can submit them at globalleadershippodcast.gmail.com or glp at com. They both come through to me and JB um, for uh, future episodes. And if you're in the live audience, um, as you may know, is that if you're listening via the recording, um, you can be in the live audience. Um, you can sign up on Seedle.com. It's free. Um, you don't have to uh, pay to access our live audience stuff, but you do need to sign up via Seedle.com to access it. It's part of the Light membership. There you go. That's a little plug. Um, anyway, um, so this week, um, JB and I uh, have always liked to be inspired by the topics that are surrounding us, news articles and things. But we found over the last few weeks that um, we haven't had to look very far to be inspired as to what we're going to cover. And today is no exception to that rule. Today, um, as well as the listener questions, and there's a couple of fan dabby doozy ones, uh, including one actually that came in from a member of one of our audiences in one of our webinars um, we had earlier on in the week. Um, But first... Um, I wanted to bring to our conversation table for this episode um, lessons learned from COVID. Now, let me explain. Um, uh, Again, you may be listening to this months, years in the future from now, but this week in the UK and I think around the world, there are various beginnings of um, reviews of the governments around the world's impact and behavior during the pandemic. If I'm honest, I still think some of these investigations are quite premature because as it stands on the 27th of May 2021, we are still not out of the, you know, we're kind of at the foothills of of a, of a, I think, a new freedom, if you will, but there's lots of other variants that could cause us problems. So we're not out of the woods yet. So I would say some of this stuff is quite premature. Anyway, um, people are starting to go back to work. Um, I went to look um, with a couple of my colleagues from work at some offices ourselves yesterday. Those car parks were looking busier. Train stations are starting to look a bit busier with the car parks going into London. And so therefore life is coming back to normal. And in keeping with the reviews of the governments around the world's lessons learned, so what went well, and even better if, from a leadership perspective, by the way, we're going to be talking about it from, um, for leaders in business... What has been learned 
by business during the pandemic? What has gone well? What lessons have we read about that didn't go so well? And what's going to happen moving forwards? And hopefully, um, as a listener to this episode, you may have some contributions, which if you're in the audience, you can stick it into the Q&A or the chat box, or um, we would love your emails and we'll read them out in a future episode. So that's kind of the scene for today's episode, JB. Have I framed that okay? I think I couldn't have put it better myself. It's as if you've spent the last 48 hours planning that entry into the conversation. Uh, Beautifully crafted. Look, there are the notes. If you're in the live audience, you'd see that there are copious amounts of notes put together by Ant. But I've just realised I did the thing that I told you off for in last week's episode, and that's my fault, so I must apologise. The listeners, before we get into the meat of this episode, need to find <gasps> out how your bongo trip was last weekend. Uh, and we, th- so the question is, why are we not having a little conversation at the beginning of our podcast about how we are? Why? You see, this could be a COVID thing. Um, why aren't we? Why aren't we going into how are you, Ant, and how are you, JB? Probably because we do it before we start recording. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe we talk too much. We do spend about five, six hours a week together at the minute, don't we? I think that could be it. I think because we spend so much time talking utter nonsense. <laughs> well, good choice of words. <laughs> so um, by the time we get to the podcast, we feel that we kind of know, focus and value each other at a 10, 10, 10. Would that be fair? I think that's very fair. And maybe what we need to start doing in future is just literally not talking until we start recording. And then we, we, we share with the audience. I know some of the live audience get to hear some of our preambles before we go into recording we, mode. But there you go. We, anyway. might get so, we might get so excited, we might overshare. This is true. And that could be awful. Anyway, Colin, tell us, how was um, your um, bongo trip? And for the listeners' benefit, a bongo is a camper van of sorts that JB has acquired. It's the poor man's camper. It is the bronze package. Uh, the ultimate camper uh, is the, uh, I think it's the Volkswagen T5, possibly even the T6 now. And, but, but they cost UK uh, about 50,000, 60,000 quid. Yeah, one of our neighbours has got one out there if you see it. Oh, I mean, it's out. just, I couldn't possibly um, justify that I, that would be my wife's clothing allowance for the year i can't do that uh god she'd smack me around i was gonna she? say she's not in the room with you is she, she so when my my wife um was a senior uh, executive uh, many moons ago in london uh in journalism and she was the editor of a women's magazine for a very very big publishing company and she was uh, a pretty um, big fish, and she had a pretty big budget, and she was into lots and lots of brands. Uh, so she would wear all the all the latest stuff, and you should see her kit that she's got in her wardrobe from those. You know, it's about sort of twenty years ago. Uh, she'd kill me again for saying that. Um, but now, since she's been with me, her budget <laughs> for clothing is. Absolutely bugger all of bugger all. Because you bought, bought a bongo. Well, I, we just don't really care. I mean, look at what I'm in now. I've had this um, jumper, this 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 thing, um, for about six years. 
And look, it's still going. It's got a little hole here and there. But I can polish up quite nicely if necessary. Anyway, oh, where am that. I going with this? I, I'm, I'm talking about the Bongo, mm. and it is the poor man's uh, Volkswagen T6. Uh, and it's about a tenth of the cost. And it goes like a good one. It's a 2.5 litre turbo diesel. It's got an electric roof. Um, it's got a sink, a fridge, and a hob. Uh, and, a, and a what they call a rock and roll bed. And a rock and roll bed is just the coolest thing ever. So it starts off as a little sofa, and then you pull this cord, and it goes into a bed. We haven't actually slept in it yet, uh, or slept on it. Um, but I think, not this weekend, the next weekend, we're actually going to do a little bit of that. And when I say that, we'll be pulling down the rock and roll bed and finding somewhere to sleep just so that we realise what it's like. Probably yeah. outside our house, actually. <laughs> um, anyway, so last uh, weekend, we went to a brilliant, brilliant place, which is the last pub in England before you go into the sea on your way to Calais. It is the nearest pub in England to Calais, France. And it's called the Coast Guard. And uh, we were doing reconnaissance. The only thing is you go down an incredibly steep hill. And I was hoping that the person I bought the bongo from actually really did know his stuff and the brakes actually worked. <laughs> I, I am still here to this day because he did. And uh, anyway, it's a beautiful pub and the food is amazing. Uh, the waitress who served us... Uh, was an absolute delight, um, lovely, and the manageress was superb. And I said to her, would you mind if one night uh, we actually came down here, had a big meal, and then slept in the car park? Well, in the bongo. <laughs> and, <laughs> Get a bongo, but but sleep next to the bins. <laughs> At weekends, anything's possible. Um, but uh, no, so she's absolutely fine. Just park over to the right of the car park, and you'll be you'll be fine. Jobs are good, and so that's probably where we're going to go the weekend after next uh, to the Coast Guard. Um, it's somewhere between Folkestone and Dover, if I remember rightly. Um, and uh, on a good day, you can wave at the, the lovely French people on the other side of the pond. Wow. Yeah. So that was our bongo experience. We went all over the place in it, and it just it's just brilliant. You're quite high up. It's quite narrow for a big chap like me, um, but my head fits in it just about, as well as my body, and um, it's just fab. It's brilliant. I would recommend having a bongo to anyone if you can. If you can, yeah. Have we have too many children to fit into a bongo. Um, well, you get four of them. Get four bongos. Yeah. Just sort of tow them on a chain or something. Oh, <laughs> um, very good. Well, anyway, so yeah. That, uh, now, um, so and it, it, I think it's 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 normal for me then to ask you about your. Uh, the equivalent to your bongo, to uh, my bongo. I, I had my daughter over last weekend, so that was the first time she'd been over for 15 months because she's over 18, so therefore we didn't have that shared parenting thing. So that was very nice. She got to spend some time with her three brothers who were lining up to terrorise her, um, so that was good. Um, Did they manage to do that? Very much so, uh, and yeah. consistently, so she will now good. disappear and hope for another uh, pandemic, which means she can't visit for another 15 months. 
But I bet she loved loved being terrorised by your kids, didn't she? Yeah, she did. And and actually, the youngest is only two and three quarters. So bearing in mind, she's missed out nearly half of his life so far. Mm. Um, that's been quite upsetting for us. So that was nice. Yeah. So um, so yeah, Daniel keeps now saying, "Where's Holly, my friend, gone?" Oh. Um, where's my friend? Holly's my friend, my sister, and my friend. Yes, yes, your friend. Oh, that's his that's latest. Nice. Yes. So there you go. So that that's that's, ladies and gents. Now, fifteen minutes into our I think episode. we've done that. We've yeah. done that now, haven't yeah, we? We yeah. can move on can from move all on. of that. Yeah. Um, all the niceties. So um, lessons learned in business as a result of COVID. Um, I'm willing to put one in. I'll, I'll, I'll try and hold back on giving more than one because otherwise I may steal yours, but I'll go for one that I'm suspecting would not be your first choice, if I'm Well, in. I'm going to listen to you very carefully um, so that I can formulate my my thinking. I've got I've got three things, funnily enough. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be quite interested to see whether you land on on one of my three things. So I'm just going to be listening now. Knowing you as I do, I hope not. But maybe I'm wrong because I know that you become more conscious of trying to be more of my first point in the last few months yourself. <gasps> and my first lesson learned is digital transformation. What Ooh. has gone well for business? Um, so I know my previous employer who I left to go and work in the company that I'm now in, which is Seedle, um, had a three-year roadmap to make 60% of their workforce remote. And they yeah. did that in three weeks. And yeah. things that they said were impossible absolutely were possible. You just needed the right event to make it happen and the will of the people. Um, and a lot of line managers, I think, and, and this probably there is where it does lead into JB, naturally part of the problem was that they didn't want people to be working remotely because they wanted to be able to micromanage their people, which is something we can talk about separately later on in the episode, no doubt. But for me, I think for leaders... It's recognizing the power of technology to mean that you can still run a business, run a team effectively, whether that's in person or remotely. Obviously, selfishly, um, it's very helpful for companies like Seedle to have this digital realization moment because actually you can it's still face-to-face -face learning for me is important. But a lot of things that could be done in person are more practical and interactive if you've preambled that with all your digital delivery. So for us, um, the digital transformation of business has been very helpful to Seedle's business case and plan for clients. But in terms of businesses and a successor of what's gone well, I think there has been this recognition of actually digital is not that bad. This revolution that we're talking about is... It's okay. And don't get me wrong, there is absolutely consequences to it, which we'll probably tap on. But for me, my first one out of the box, digital transformation has been some of the things that have gone well for business as a result of COVID. Balls in your court. Um, <laughs> nice. We didn't rehearse that, by the way. God, we're good at this. Um, well, I think I went about it in a slightly different way, Anne, because I I went for economic factors, change ready factors, and the environment. Nice. You can do. You can, bit... you can unload all three in one. Whew. Well, no, I can I can go on one of those. I mean, this is pick. This is like pick and mix. You could choose any one of those if you wanted to, and just well, I'll go for it. I'm curious on the first one, actually, the economic one first. Okay, so the economic factor. Um, I, I think that um, before COVID, 
we were looking at some uh, potentially financially uh, worrying times ahead. Um, I think the um, global economic uh, forecasting was um, not looking particularly great. Uh, and, you know, certainly, a, a, I don't know whether we're still uh, in the UK, uh, top five by GDP, are we still? I don't know. I think we're number seven when I last checked. Oh, we got, we're slipping down by the second. I think India might have overtaken us by now. Oh, dear. Okay. Yeah. No, I think that's a good thing. Um, and uh, so here we are in a situation uh, where we... Uh, countries across the world have spent billions uh, on dealing with um, the pandemic. Um, and so organisations uh, are going to be pretty strapped for cash anyway. Um, we now have, and this links into your point, I think, Ant, which is the issue of savings, cost savings, being a, a priority for many organisations. That would have been there anyway, I believe. Um, and I'm happy to be kind of um, challenged on that. Um, but I think that's kind of pretty much what's happening and and now with with um covid there could be an opportunity uh to reduce costs by digitizing which i think hits your point uh so we so companies i think will be forced into a position where not only uh, to 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 take on board your point this realization that um going digital going virtual is is quite interesting and useful for our business um but we can see that there are cost savings for doing it then you've got the additional pressure of economic downturn ahead anyway uh that we can prepare ourselves for uh which kind of goes into that change readiness uh, that organisations, I think, can start um, looking at uh, to be change ready for the next pandemic. And I think this is where I start probably following your point. Um, but that change readiness in this no normal world, because in my view, we're not dead. <laughs> you can get my book, Anna. Um, we're not. We're not going back to any any sort no. of new normal anytime soon. Every time we think we're getting to a new normal, guess what happens? Yeah. We've got the Kent strain. We've got the Indian strain. We've got the South African strain. Um, we've got the environment um, and how that's going to impact on our on our world. Uh, it's going to get noisier and noisier and noisier. There's a very interesting piece of information. Um, in the news yesterday about uh, the Dutch government uh, asking Shell, no, telling Shell mm. uh, to uh, reduce their, their carbon emissions. Um, so that's, that's quite an interesting bit of law uh, that is now coming in. So I think this um, is interesting. And I, I think we, we are looking at this sort of global change 
and and I think we I think we should we could be wise to link COVID to the environment, um, and actually start start really thinking about uh, being change ready uh, for pandemics, uh, and also the impact on the from the environment of the environment on our business and our on our change readiness for these things uh, which means we go back to the economic factor is how do we how are we change ready economically environmentally um, and then you know how are our people uh, going to cope with all of that change on top of that ant uh, you've got ei um and AI, even. I was going to say emotional intelligence or artificial intelligence. Where are we going with this? <laughs> Why did I put AI uh, in there? I meant artificial intelligence, which I think, you know, I think we've got a lot of that coming through. Um, and, oh, so many other factors. I've, tra- I've taken it off on a funny, weird tangent. No, no, I- no. It's, it's, a, it's a really good tangent. If I may respond on a couple of them. Um, you and I touched on a previous episode and I think it was either an article or it was a listener question. I can't remember which. Um, Which is, why should I take a pay cut if I'm now able to work from home? The business is making a saving because we no longer have the office space costs. Yeah. And and I think this plays into your economic lessons learned nicely. Firstly, economically, businesses have certainly now had to test this rainy day fund that they never thought they'd have to touch which has now been violated um, and actually to JB's point as well um, as various schemes around the world to subsidize businesses to keep them afloat during the pandemic are finished it's going to put these businesses under pressure in the new normal in the no normal world um, and how change ready are they for the next time? And I think you summed it up really nicely. Again, this is a few weeks ago now where you said um, that maybe this COVID is just a practice for the, the real change that's coming. You know, this is just a start. And, and how are we? And I think there is a lot of businesses that are now realizing, actually, we need to be cleverer with our spending. Um, and economically, of course, individuals need to understand that Ironically, levelling up in the UK is this big phrase. It's a government statement that we're going to level up the country. And ironically, this could be being done by the back door, but it could be being done actually in quite a negative way in that a lot of people that used to be reliant on being near the capital because they used to work in London, for example, can now go and be anywhere in the world, in the country, and they can still be on their London salary, potentially. But of course, what that then does is it artificially inflates all the house prices in other parts of the country where they already have subdued incomes comparative to the London incomes. So it's then going to cause, I suspect, some local economic impact. But then coupled with that, as I mentioned a moment ago, there are going to be businesses that are going to ask employees to take a pay cut working from home. And you have to see this from both sides. Again, me and JB try and think of what's right for the business and what's right for the people. Absolutely. If my business says you can work from home, but you need to take a 15% pay cut, I am going to be annoyed. But here's the problem. If I don't take that pay cut, the fact that my employer no longer has to rely on me being in a physical location 
they could seek to replace me in a low-cost area in a different part of the country or in a cheaper part of the world. And actually, the way I communicate to my boss at work is no different to how someone in Poland or in a low-cost country communicates with their boss because we're still having video calls. Whether I'm now in Barbados or in London, it makes no difference. And therefore, the leveling up is going to be painful. And I think businesses are starting to now have these conversations to say, look, you can work from home, but you can take the pay cut. But we can then pass those savings on to the customer. And I don't think some of that is being articulated correctly. Let me explain a bit more. If this business, hypothetically, if our business doesn't do it, I can guarantee a competitor is going to come along in the next six months and is going to eat our picnic because they are going to have people in low cost parts of the country. And guess what? They're going to undercut us and we can't we can't afford to undercut them. We can't match it. We're then into loss making territory. So I think there is an economic shift for businesses and they're now starting to think, actually, this is potentially a problem. We, But equally, it's an opportunity. And I think employees need to understand that we have a challenge. London is going to probably have quite a problem with property, I think, in the next couple of years as commercial property is now becoming wastelands where it's 50% occupancy to what it used to be. Um, you know, the, 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 the square mile, as they call it. it, you know, I went into London 10 days ago and it was a ghost town, scarily, eerily. And this was on a Thursday evening when you could start to be inside again. And I was in a minority. Those companies can't sustain themselves any longer. So they have these big overheads they need to reduce. Putting people at home is a saving to both parties. I no longer have commuting costs. I actually now have two hours spare a day. Now, if I don't swallow the pill of actually we are all in this together, and getting over the fact that actually there are corporate shareholders of some of these companies that are going to have some difficult decisions to make in the future. I think there is a real challenge going on with the econ economy at the moment in many different factors. They, that's, so my, what, that's my ad. So what have we got then? We, we've got um, this kind of uh, organisations that have seen the opportunity to uh, have some really good, big... Uh, big picture conversations as well as uh, the conversation uh, towards the individual in that organization uh, to get their world to, to understand this change and to see where they are on this change curve because you know I think what we're articulating is we've just seen some change and there's more to come yes inevitably inevitably because you know, any any sector that you want to look at uh, is subject to to massive change, not just normal change. Uh, this is a no normal change situation that we are in. Why is that? It's because of the internet. It's because of AI. It's because uh, of the environment. It is because uh, politics is changing. Uh, big time around the world um you know we have seen some um some really big shifts uh with the likes of trump um johnson many other different leaders have taken a very di different tack uh to leaders that we've had in the past yes and and so economically politically environmentally technologically um you know uh, the the opportunity for people to be more autonomous 
in the way that they work, uh, autonomous um, in the way that we don't have the old model of control and command telling us how we're going to operate. People uh, have the opportunity for working in several different jobs in their lifetime. They don't have to sign up for one job for years. the next 20 years. Yeah. These are all, it's like, a, it's like a perfect storm. And people would probably criticise me and say, but it's, it's always been a perfect storm, JB. I don't agree with that at all. Um, you can take parts of uh, our history, um, like the Second World War, the First World War, um, and yes, they were catastrophic uh, in, te in terms of the uh, things that were going on during that war and the recovery afterwards. But what we are involved with now is a sustained um, revolution uh, in terms of information, in terms of technology, uh, information in terms of the dispersal of information, um, and that being available through um, primarily Google, um, which is which is a huge game changer in in the way that uh, kids communicate, in the way that education happens, um, and all of these things uh, are 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 being talked about in the most enlightened organisations, I believe. They are having the big conversation and involving their people in how do all of these factors affect you and how do they all affect our business and let's have a very, very honest conversation. But I suspect, Ant, the zone of uncomfortable debate around many of these issues are being avoided Mm -hmm. And also, uh, what I've that that list that I've just gone through, uh, there are at least four or five of them that are elephants in the room, not only for the organisation, but also for people themselves. The environment being a prime example, which is petrifying, um, if you look at it closely, it is absolutely petrifying. Let's hope um, that. Uh, people listening to this in the future can go well, don't worry it was all turned around because we don't know we can't we have no crystal ball but definitely well, we're, we're, we're reliant we are actually reliant on organizations and politicians uh to get us change ready and i think that is where i am um concerned with and that's what i'm rather hoping uh organizations are focused on i think not i don't think uh, that conversation about being change ready, if you include all of those factors, is being openly debated, um, and and being prepared to to uncomfortably debate it where necessary. I don't think it's happening enough, and that is my opinion. Um, but there is some basis from experience of what I'm actually talking about. Um, some other interesting thoughts, and I read this other article that said that employment law is going to be challenged in courts soon because previously redundancies, you can't replace a role with the same role. But if everyone's going to become home workers, you can't relocate a role to make someone redundant because ultimately you then... So traditionally... You could hide behind that, sorry, this branch is closing now. You either have to relocate to Manchester with your family or we're going to need to make you redundant. 
and what there was this it was a really interesting thought piece and i was like bloody hell that's 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 a bit sinister but it's very interesting that a lot of businesses will choose not to put people on home worker status they may still be able to work from home if they want to but if they want to get rid of someone it's going to end up being more constructive dismissal cases in courts because they're then going to start forcing individuals to work from the office by way of forcing them to then resign as opposed oh to making gosh. them redundant yeah. and then yeah. saying our office is relocating you're going to have to be in the office and move with us or we're going to need to make redundant it was an interesting one but um mm. one to to to, to, to to flip it on its head quickly um uh, uh one other big lesson for me that's come from leaders in particular is an opportunity to reset relationships with their people. Um, I think there are a number of leaders in business who perhaps have had a bit of a wake-up call of managing people can be better than I thought it was going to be and empowering people. Actually, this this is quite nice. I, I'm liking how my people are reacting to the fact that they have empowerment and they're they're actually okay and the business and my KPIs haven't faltered and yet I don't need to sit in the office and stare at them all day. Actually, this 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 feels nice. And I do think that I've you and I have certainly seen in the work we do with clients, and it's all been remote, of course, for the last year, but we are going to return to some face-to-face soon. We are seeing some instances where leaders are, um, are actually realising that they can have new conversations with their people to reset how we do working together how and you you talk about it a lot with how we're going to have conversations around here and i think there has been some really good success stories of where people were going to leave their boss they don't leave their business they leave their boss for example and actually because their boss's behavior has changed for the better since remote working and they aren't sat opposite them staring at the work they're doing in the moment as opposed to they're seeing the end product. They're not worrying so much about the journey and worrying about the results. It's having a positive impact. I mean, we're, the attendance we have on some of our remote leadership programs is very, very good. Um, and that's a year in after this has all happened because I think a lot of managers are now realising, in contrary to what I was just saying about the difficulties of levelling down rather than levelling up, that people will leave the employer now. You know, I don't, I, I'm working from home. I can have an interview in my lunch break and you will never know. And therefore, if managers don't change, if they're not in a good place, they're going to lose their people far quicker than they ever would have done before. And I think to your point earlier, um, tenure may be shorter even more so now because people will say, actually, and my office, my office is still the same. My desk and my monitor is still the same because I bought me a monitor and keyboard. I'm just plugging in a different machine to communicate to different people with the new employer and the new job. So I think leaders are having to learn. I have to value my people more, more than ever before, which is a good thing. 100%. I think there is also something about a pandemic um, that is a leveller in its own right. So it doesn't matter whether you're a multimillionaire uh, or you know whether you you're um, you know in in a, in a new admin role, um, and you know you don't have that much dosh, but you know both both of those individuals are capable of losing a parent, an auntie, a granddad, um, and God forbid, you know a a partner. Or, or a, even a child, you know, the, no one's safe from a pandemic. And we're in an organisation 
uh, in before COVID, there might have been a a view that it's all right for them. You know, there's a there's a kind of distance between senior management um, and other parts of the organisation. They're a little bit elite. Well, you know, I think a pandemic in its own way um, has has created. We, we are actually all in this together. Um, there is no elitism uh, with a pandemic, as far as I'm aware. You know, we we all have to go into lockdown. We all have to shield somebody that that is a bit vulnerable in our family. Unless you're an influencer, apparently they're above it all. Unless you're an influencer, you can fly around the world and do little broadcasts from wherever you want, and then you're fine. Yeah, uh, there are always anomalies, but I think I think if you are a manager, then uh, if if you don't care about your people and they don't know that you care about them if you're not consistent in the way that you turn up and the way that you behave if if you're not particularly honest about stuff and you're not prepared to talk about you know these issues um, that will help our team to be change ready and the organization to be uh, ready for that um, then basically you are um, not future proof uh, you you are going down, my friend, uh, mm. because you are not going to be change ready. You will not take your people with you. I think I think I I'm conscious of some managers who are really upping their game uh, in terms of the trust that they're building with their people. They had it anyway, and now they know uh, that that is a really important thing for them to do, and they're investing in it big time with their people, virtually or otherwise. Um, but there are those who are not. And they're cracking on uh, with delivering on their tasks and their objectives, um, but they have high churn of really talented people in their team still and thinking, why the hell is this happening to me? It's because you haven't smelt the coffee, my friend. And, you know, you need to either get out and and do something different uh, because you're not fit for purpose or you need to actually have a little bit of a word with yourself um, and change change the way you do things. So we've kind of, I think we've we've kicked around four themes so far: environmental benefits of COVID forcing the world to down planes and the advantages that's done. But now there is an even bigger spotlight on the environment for us to think about moving forwards. We've talked about the yeah. economics for business, what they then do, how they're going to cope, how they become more uh, ready in a no normal world. Um, we've talked about the digital transformation. Um, of business being probably one of the success stories and we've talked about leadership behavior resets i'm conscious we have a couple of listener questions to kick around do you want to have the final word on perhaps your final lesson learned for business post covid um i i think it is it is really um this to me it comes down to autonomy and control and those organizations that think uh, that uh, you know, putting in controls uh, to 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 manage through um, change coming, um, and to think that that is the way that we need to do things around here to instruct from the top um, and send signals. And I'm using some of the most recent experience of conversations senior leaders about this. Um, it's almost counterintuitive that you want to give your people more autonomy. And more autonomy is actually about 
things like flexible working and um, being able to um, make decisions that fit both well for me as an individual in that organization, but conscious, very conscious, that I just might need to take a pay cut for something that we agree as a business we're going to do to make us st still relevant to our customer, to our client. I, I think that's big picture stuff. I've used the you've used the example of taking a pay cut, but if that if that is uh, something that everybody in the organisation feel is the right thing to preserve and protect us and our business, our business that we have a massive stake in, I'm going to use my autonomy to make that happen. If you feel that this um, robustness and, and flexibility and readiness for change is all about increasing control, uh, and you can think about this in terms of um, you know corporate or political, putting in greater control is not the answer. Uh, it will not work in the long term. You need to increase autonomy. And that's a that's a really, really big one to end this with. But I think it's kind of it might even go into another podcast. I, I feel I a think... blog post coming on 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 the post pandemic pay cut problem. There you go. Four P's. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's a problem it, for all of us because we all have to reset how we do things. I mean, it, it's and the the problem is, I think it's I think this is the the the, the elephant in the room that that may be in the shadows at the minute, but it's going to come out and it's going to bite us. How and do you put the case for a post pandemic pay cut? Yeah, Ooh. and that won't be easy listening for ourselves either. By the way, because that affects everybody, you know, us as well. Um, Damn right. Interesting. Competitive world. And is that then going to also mean that our best people are going to be poached by people that can afford to pay bigger salaries because their pricing policy allows them to, you know, it's and, and maybe that's a short term thing that they do. And then they go, oh, my God, we can't afford this. Um, so my final point on this, mm. uh, if you're worried about it, get a bungo, a bungo, a bungo, <laughs> a bungalow, <laughs> get a bongo um, as an insurance policy. Um, because you might end up living in it. And so say all of us. Right. <laughs> Listener questions. <coughs> uh, I'm going to do this one first because this one came up in a webinar we were doing Tuesday, was it? Um, and it was oh, from, yeah. it was from an, an, an anonymous attendee. Um, so if they're listening um, today, I hope this... So the, the, anyway, I'll read the question. Um, how do I manage upwards when my bus doesn't listen or seemingly care despite asking for ideas? So the context, we were, we were running a webinar on how do you manage upwards? Um, really interesting subject. Something we all come across probably at some point in our careers, even if we're at the top of our game, someone comes above us that happens to be either threatened by us or perhaps it's a it's it's just the way they are. There's a challenge for us. And how do we do that successfully? And a lot of the audience probably had real life experiences and problems in the moment. So that was the question that came in. Um, and we didn't really get much time to kick the subject around. So I thought it would be useful to bring it up. Um, in a podcast and we did tell them that was the case so hopefully if you are listening we will now discuss it in more detail JB you want to go first or do you want me to go first um, well I was thinking um, we could look at this in terms of the tips to put in place 
and also um, tips of not what to do. Things not to do, things to do, things not to do. How about that? Something like that. Sounds good. I um, um, I, I do want to bring to the table briefly, I have a friend, personal friend, um, and she was messaging me and my wife and then ending up just being me earlier this week because she's having major problems with her new boss who is belittling and humiliating and I think is threatened ultimately. And I asked her a question which was lifted from our programs. And I said, is the problem with your boss that it's a culture of, um, is it a culture that that's how it is in the business? Is it that it's just they're an arsehole? Or is it power with instead of power over as actually the root of the cause here? And the answer was, it's the last one. I think it's the, the, the leader wants power over rather than power with. That's the problem. And it and it kind of reminded me um, then, I can't believe in which order it was, but the two definitely resonate for me. I think there is a, a question on how you tackle a leader who prefers to have power over people rather than power with people. And in itself, acknowledging that psychology in your own mind might be quite useful for you to at least feel more empowered about understanding it's not you, it's them. Yeah, yeah. And that might be useful in itself. That's the only thing I wanted to add as extra colour. Yeah. Um, well, so, so for me, the first thing that we probably need to talk about is the conversation that we need to have about the conversations we need to have uh, in in the workplace. Like uh, having the having the bollocks to actually uh, go. I think we need to have a conversation about how we work, how we communicate, how we collaborate, um, what's in it for you, what's in it for me. Uh, that to me is the first thing is it's almost like, can we take this offline? Um, because how it's working now and these the this thing that you do is making me feel like I want to leave. It's making me feel um, depressed, frustrated, angry, um, whatever it happens to be. So uh, I, I think sometimes people don't do this because they are frightened. When, you, when you've got a boss that micromanages and that is into control over things. Um, one wonders why that is happening in the first place. Is it that is their natural habitat uh, to want to be controlling and to reduce your autonomy uh, to learn, to perform and develop in the organisation? Do, do they feel that that is relevant? Uh, or are they just focused on building their own learning performance and development, career hitting, target hitting, whatever it happens to be? So, you know, they're going to have different thinking styles to you, probably. Um, and I, I think the first thing is to have that big conversation. There are a few things that, that are quite interesting to work with there. And you can be as transparent or not as you feel fit as you feel free but um 
there was a, a model, I don't know whether it's a model, but uh, something that was um, put forward as a as a means for me and a difficult boss for me to work with years ago. And and we, we actually use it, Ant and I, now and again. And it's called Like, Trust, Respect. And how much do I like this person, my boss? How much do I trust them? And how much do I respect them? Now, this, this puts you... Uh, into a zone of uncomfortable debate for sure and it's whether you're ready for it whether you're prepared for that zone of uncomfortable debate or not if you're not and you want to keep things um in the zone of comfortable comfortable debate then i would say and you're using this as an opportunity to kind of vent then you're not really going to solve this problem and the boss will continue to do what they do so um, like trust respect gives you an opportunity really just to vent with them uh, how you're feeling uh, about the relationship. So often in that conversation, trust, if they are controlling you, uh, is the one that is the biggest problem so often. I actually quite like John, but... Um, what I what I do feel uncomfortable about is that I don't trust them uh, with my learning. I don't trust them to, to to look after me, to care for me, and to care about my development in this company. I don't trust that. Yeah. Um. And I and I don't respect them uh, for that either. I think um just uh, to compliment what JB said, he's he's covered most of the things perfectly. Um. It's frustrating, isn't it, if a boss is asking for ideas to improve the organisation and yet it's largely ignored when you put those ideas forward. And I wasn't sure when I received that question a few days ago, or we received that question, whether this is standard for everybody or it was directed exclusively at the individual that asked the question. And, and that would tack my answer slightly on this um however um i think that there needs to be a conversation as as i think jb's touching on here about the impact that that has and i hate to say it it may well be that the the the, the line manager has just zero self awareness when me and jb work with with leaders we typically take them out of their technical expertise area and all that's left is this human being with human technical skills and we judge them on their willingness to learn, their willingness to communicate and collaborate with others on the program, which tends to give us a bit of a scoring on their their style. Um, and a lot of them actually, we, we've also mentioned a few of them that completely lack self-awareness or awareness of the impact on others that they think that they don't have impact so on. So true, so true. So my, my point here is, sometimes a reality check so long as you are conscious it's not gonna shoot you in the foot and get you fired handled in the right way you could be giving them the biggest gift of their career no one's ever said that to me before i had someone say to me by the way in my last job that such and such is really scared of you and why i mean mo most people would know me you know i'm not scary and i happen to be in a quite a senior position and therefore i guess because and she said because the person that you the role you sat in last time fired her so her natural 
assumption is you are in a position of power, you can fire her. I was mortified. Mm. Um, because actually often my humour is sarcastic and sarcasm doesn't cut in every culture or society. And they were taking some of my comments to be deadly serious that, you know, I'm going to fire you all if we don't get these KPIs done. And I was saying it apps, uh, ironic w- with irony because people knew that that wasn't me. Did you use the fire with enthusiasm? Yes, I did. That that was exactly what I used. I said, I need to fire you all with enthusiasm or I'm going to fire you all with enthusiasm. You take your pick. Which one's it going to be? And laughed. But this one person then became really scared of it. And I guess that's the other problem is is that um, your boss may have imposter syndrome, um, but you don't know it. So, um, and I'm yet to find a boss where I haven't felt confident enough to say to them you're being a bit of a dick if you don't mind me I'm really paraphrasing there that's not how I'd say it but you get my point right um we have two other questions only five minutes to go um these are two quick ones or actually one of them is a quick one um this one is from Emily in the UK um what's one piece of technology do you rely on as a leader which is a nice easy one it's an unusual one. I'll go first. I, I'm thinking out loud here because I've not really read these in advance. For me, it's because you're a remote leader, the importance of good equipment comes in a microphone. Um, I, I actually, it sounds bizarre, but a good camera and a good microphone, if you're a virtual leader, is so important for a good relationship with your people and using the camera and using the microphone. Too many people managers have one-to-ones where they use a you know really crappy load of equipment. They don't have the camera on. So for me, camera or microphone would be my nominations. Could you just is a flip chart a, a piece of technology? Could we call that tech why a technology? They put bit, tech, bit of, but it could be yeah. Why not? I never understand or whiteboard or whatever. I I never understand why more people don't use stuff like flip charts and Dominic Cummings does <laughs> well yeah but um you like him or loathe him you know he does sort of um make things happen um some of those things we disagree with but so that he has some obviously uh, abilities to communicate and um I mean if you the live audience probably see that my office is absolutely yeah. packed with with flip chart paper, um, and I know it's old school, and it's probably not particularly environmentally um, friendly to use so much paper. It does get recycled, actually, by the way. In in um, it's um, post-it stuff, isn't it? it sticks on. Yeah, things. it's pretty good. It and but so visual, visually, to get people involved, um, and for example you know if you had the stops and the starts continues of the things that you need to do to get the project in on time you know three columns off you go let's work on this together uh right right up there big screen and and then i think it's so virtually being able to use a whiteboard virtually as we do um a fair amount and i i think we we might be doing more of that as 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 we go along because uh, I think it's great. We just need. I need to learn how to to draw first. Um, yeah, he's, he's but you know, but we can all draw a circle and a square and get people involved with it. It's very, it's very involving and engaging. So for me, it's uh, I've probably taken the piss with this um, technological thing. But you know, flip chart, whiteboard, 
virtually or otherwise, I think that is a massive, massive thing for a leader to get in people involved, getting people engaged, uh, being inclusive, um, getting people around, having a conversation about what's what's on the screen, what's on the flip chart. Like it a lot. I'm conscious we are out of time and therefore we're going to hold back this question um, for next week. Um, it's an anonymous one. Um, it's all around presenting to an audience for a town hall. Um, which I is... feel, Ant, that we haven't completely covered uh, managing upwards. No. I think I think there's more. You see, it's. Uh, do you know what? It's actually quite a big subject, isn't it? Because what we've just we've only just got into having the conversation about the conversations we need to have, boss. Moment. I think we need to go back to it. If if this person can bear it to come back to the next podcast, and we'll just do uh, once we've got that entry in, then what are we going to do with the conversation once we're in it? Uh, and the kind of things that we can focus on, and I, you and I have a few, a few ideas. But can I just leave it with these um, uh, questions around managing upwards? Uh, I think it is the willingness to go out of the zone of comfortable debate into the zone of uncomfortable debate, and possibly. Um, go and go and shoot a few elephants in the room whilst you're at it. <laughs> Are you ready? Are you ready, listener, uh, to go on that journey with us? Um, because you're going to have to go into quite an assertive position, possibly, uh, to 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 fight for your autonomy and to fight for your learning and performance and development in your business. But we'll talk. We'll talk about. Can we talk about that in the next podcast? Why not? Why not? I hey. just follow that through. So we've done the entry, and now we're going to have that. We're going to talk about the the conversation. Nice. Um, before we wrap up, then, Mr. Bradley, uh, any exciting ambitions or plans for a bank holiday weekend? We have just one day ahead of us. Um, I'm off to to Sussex to, to um, sleep in a bell tent. Oh, not with your bongo. No, this time not with the bongo. It's something I ordered pre-bongo. Actually, is a is a, a what do they call it? Um, glamping. We're going glamping this weekend. Nice, nice. What about you? We have um, my uncle and auntie coming to visit. They have not been to the new house yet, so that'll be nice. Nice. So, and uh, yeah, weather's supposed to be good. In fact, as as we speak, according to my watch, it's nineteen degrees outside. So I might go and have a cup of coffee on the on the roof terrace. Get you. Get your cosy on and off you go. Nice. Well, I've been uh, I've been Ant. And I have been Jonathan Bradley. <laughs> and it's been an absolute blast. And I have nothing more to add except for the fact that I love you, Ant. I love you too, JP. Goodbye. Goodbye.